Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Newton podcast. This podcast seeks to share the truth of God's Word through the sermons and other teachings of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newton, Kansas. We hope these episodes will be a blessing to you and your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 13. We're going to see 1 to 12 this morning. Um, Before we get into the text, have you ever asked yourself, what is the will of God for my life? Have you ever just thought, God, what do you want for me? What are you calling me to do? I've certainly asked that question numerous times. Sometimes when we ask that question, what we're really wanting is for God to come down and hand us a sheet of paper with the answers to every question we'll ever face in life. God, what's your will? What's your plan? Can I have the answers? What's, what's step one, step two, step three? I'm faced with this decision. I need to know what's right, what's wrong. And that'd be nice, wouldn't it? If he just said, here is the, the life, Austin, that you're going to go through, and here's all of the decisions you're going to have to make, and here's the answer to every single one of those decisions down to the letter. That'd be nice. He didn't do that. He hasn't done that. I don't think he's going to do that. But it's not wrong to to wrestle with the question, God, what are you calling me to? What's your will for my life? It's not wrong to wrestle with that in certain instances, but I believe sometimes we let that question of, God, what is the will that you have for me? What's the call that you have for my life? We let that question Keep us from doing what God has made crystal clear in his word, what his will is for us individually and for the church. We sit around and we end up doing nothing, pondering that question when we should be doing what God has revealed, what's clear and plain for us to see in his word. And, And we let it stop us from doing that. We sit and we think so much about, God, what car am I gonna drive? That's a question that I've been wrestling with. God, what car should I pick? What car should we buy? What's the wise financial decision? God, what house should we purchase? Should we purchase a house? Should we rent? Should I live on this street or that street? Should we paint the house pink? No. Yeah. (laughs) What career should I pursue? What What should my life be like in that way? What do we eat for dinner? That one would maybe be the most helpful out of all of these questions. What are we going to eat for dinner, God? What's what's your will for us in that? That's an argument that we, not really an argument, but usually we try to pass off. You pick. No, you pick. No, I don't want to pick. Whatever you say, that's fine. But we wrestle with the question, God, what is your will for my life? And we end up sidelining ourselves until we somehow get that answer We neglect to do anything else that God has for us, what we see in his word. Things like we'll see this morning. Here's the main idea of the passage. Here's the summary of the passage we're going to see this morning. Paul and Barnabas are commissioned by the Spirit to go proclaim the word of God and to make crooked paths straight so the lost can be saved as the triune God builds his kingdom. That's the overall point of the passage. Here's the summary of the passage. And for us, here's the main application. The will of God for us, day in and day out, is to, like Paul and Barnabas, 
We have been commissioned to go by the Spirit to proclaim the Word of God, to make crooked paths straight so the lost can be saved by the triune God who is building His kingdom. So, so we can surely wrestle with the question, God, what is your will for my life? What should I do in certain instances when we're faced with a question? But don't let it stop you from doing what God has clearly called us and commissioned us to do in the meantime. We have been commissioned by the Spirit to go proclaim the gospel, proclaim the word, to make crooked paths straight in this crooked world so that the lost can be saved by the triune God who's building his kingdom. So would you read with me now? We'll take it three sections. Acts 13, 1 to 5 first. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus. Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. Here we see the first point. They are commissioned to go with the word. That's what Paul and Barnabas have been doing. But here's the setting. We're back in the church in Antioch in Syria that we saw in chapter 11, who sent Barnabas and Saul out to the church in Judea with provisions for them during this famine. Now they have completed that task. They've gathered again with the church in Antioch together with the other prophets and teachers in the church. Among them are Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, and Saul. And I want us to notice that there is a great diversity in this group of people. Barnabas was from Cyprus. Simeon is from Africa. Lucius also from Africa. Menaean, a close friend of the one who beheaded John the Baptist, and Saul from Tarsus, who was one of the chief persecutors, persecutors of the church before he was saved. This is a diverse group. This is not just normal, everyday people. These are a lot different. These people are a lot different from one another. But it's such a great picture of the gospel, of the power and reach of God. Seeing that the gospel is for everyone, can save anyone. The early church knew this and they lived by that reality. This is why what is about to happen is not a surprise. This is, in, in Scripture, the first instance we know of a church commissioning and sending missionaries overseas. Believing that the gospel is for everyone. That they do need to get it to the ends of the earth. This diverse group of people is the one who the Spirit comes to and tells this, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work I have for them. The work he has for them is to go as missionaries with the Word of God as God builds His kingdom. So as they're worshiping the Lord, as they're fasting, the Holy Spirit says, you need to set aside Saul and Barnabas because I have a work for them to do. Notice the timeline of events here. They're not in a planning meeting trying to figure out how they can grow the church, how they can reach more people with the gospel. No, they're in a worship service 
seeking God together. They're worshiping God. They're fasting, which was done as a spiritual discipline to help them focus on spiritual matters, depending wholly on God. Everything they were doing was focused on communing with God and seeking Him to lead. Not in a brain trust where they're like, Saul, you're really smart. Barnabas, you're really encouraging. What are we going to do? How are we going to build the church? No, they knew they couldn't build the church. God was going to build the church. And they were seeking Him to send them and to lead them in the way that He has called them to. That's what we see done in the church here. We should first be seeking God worshiping Him, depending on Him, waiting on His leading, and then start to understand what He's calling us to do, and we obey it. Too often in the church, we try to decide what to do and then ask God to bless it. That's not the right order. We worship God, we seek to commune with God, we listen to what He's doing, what He's calling us to do, and we obey it. It's not the other way around. We don't ask what should we do as a church and try to figure it, figure it out ourselves? No, we seek God, let Him lead us, and follow. That's what the church does here. This diverse church is seeking God, and the Spirit speaks to them, and what He says, again, is not shocking to them. They know they need to send out and commission believers to go among the unreached people of the time. Cyprus was largely unreached. That's where they're going to get to eventually. They knew that's what they needed to do because they sought God first. And so they do just that. They continue fasting. They pray. They lay hands on Saul and Barnabas as an act of obedience and agreement with the Spirit who is commissioning them to go with the Word of God. Barnabas and Saul, in obedience to the Spirit's call, then set out on their journey. And along with them, they take John Mark as their assistant. They go from Antioch in Syria to not so far away to Seleucia, which was on the, the, the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. It's a port city. And from there, they traveled, they sailed to Cyprus, which is an island in the Mediterranean. They land at the city of Salamis on the island. And from there, on the east side of the island, they go about traveling along, doing what they were commissioned to do, preaching the Word of God, proclaiming the Word of God, going with the Word of God. They go into Jewish synagogues and proclaim the Word of God. And they continue to do this all the way to the western side of the island, hitting as many towns as they can on the way. And they eventually land in the city of Paphos. And it was there that they encountered Bar-Jesus, a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet. But before we move on to him and everything that comes with that, we need to understand something. Church, Christian, you have been commissioned as well to go with the Word of God. It could not be any clearer in the Scripture. Unless he just said, Austin, you are commissioned to go with the Word of God. That's the only way it could be clearer. But it says, go with the Word of God to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to command everything that I've told you, and that God would be with us as we go. That we are to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, we're not in Jerusalem, Judea, or Samaria. We're further along to the ends of the earth, but we're not done. We have been commissioned to go with the Word of God. 
Some of you have been commissioned like Saul and Barnabas to go overseas. And praise God, you obeyed that commission. But for those of us who have not been called to that, who've been commissioned to that, or at least not yet been commissioned to go overseas, you've still been commissioned and commanded by God to go with the word where you are, here, where you live. And we need to make sure that we are constantly, like the church we see here in Acts, in Antioch, seeking to commune with God through worshiping him, and yes, fasting, that's an often forgotten part, and praying more than we need to strategize and plan. It is more important for us to seek to worship God, to fast depending on Him, thinking about spiritual things, and praying that it is for us to get together and plan and strategize how are we going to reach Newton. We, can't, we should do that, but that shouldn't be the only thing and the primary thing we do. It should be first worship. Because as we've seen, and we'll see later on, God commissions and leads his church, and he also builds his kingdom, not us. The moment we start relying on ourselves and our own cleverness and our own abilities and power is the moment we start missing out on living out the purpose God has for Emmanuel Baptist Church. The moment we start relying on preachers or congregants to build the kingdom we are missing out on the blessing and the power of God because we don't build the kingdom. We just participate in what God is doing. That's what the church we see here is doing. They're seeking God together. They're relying on God together. They're waiting for God to lead them. They're not trying to do it themselves. We just last, this past Wednesday, we looked at the life of Hagar and we mentioned that Sarah tried to just Take it into her own hands. God promised Abraham and Sarah that he was going to give them an offspring. And they'd waited and they'd waited and they'd waited. And finally Sarah's like, you know what? Enough is enough. Here, here Abraham. Here is my slave Hagar. Take her. Through her you'll have the promised seed. That wasn't the plan of God. And it caused a lot of heartache. And a lot of hurt. We can't do that. We can't say, well, here's my idea, here's my plan. We need to say, God, what is your idea? What's your plan? What are you calling us to do? And then we do it. That's what the church does here. So we need to remember that. We have all been commissioned, and we ought to let God lead, not try to take over what he's got for us. As we do that, we'll realize that we will encounter two reactions to the Word. If we're faithful to go with the Word of God, we're going to inter, uh, interact with two different people, two different kinds of people with the Word. Read with me 6 to 11. When they had traveled the whole island as far as Paphos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Barjesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God. But Elemus, the sorcerer, that is the meaning of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at Elemus and said, You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, you son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. 
Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the Lord's hand is against you. You are going to be blind and will not see the sun for a time. Immediately a mist and darkness fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Two reactions to the word that we're going to see. The first one, we are going to encounter people as we go with the word of God who want to hear the word. They are out there. Don't let it fool you. Don't let society fool you in saying that nobody wants to hear about the Bible. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus. Just leave us alone. That's not true. There are people out there, whether they know it at the moment or not, they want to hear the word. That's who we'll interact with. Saul and Barnabas encounter Bar-Jesus, the false prophet, and he is with the proconsul, which is basically the equivalent to a governor, Sergius Paulus. This man is said to be wise or intelligent. He's proving, and proving to be so, he summons Paul and Barnabas because he wants to hear the word. As we go with the word, we will encounter those who want to hear, who desire to hear. Now, they may not always be as forward about it as this man is, summoning us to share the word. Praise God, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Hey, would you come over? I've just been thinking, I really want to hear the gospel today. That would be great, but that doesn't happen very often. But I think, again, we would be really surprised at how many people are actually open to hearing the gospel when we seek to share it. They will actually listen if we'll just start the conversation. There are people walking around right now, going about their lives, and God has been working on their hearts He's been preparing them for when they encounter someone who will share the word with them. Let's be that someone. Let's be faithful to go with the word and to find these people. They're out there. Now we need to also understand that just because some people want to hear the word doesn't mean those people will respond in faith immediately. Praise God that happens here, but that doesn't always happen. It may take us sharing with them multiple times before they finally believe it. And if we're honest, that sounds kind of right because we're pretty stubborn too. We're hard-headed. It takes us a couple times. Or maybe I'm alone in that. I don't know. They may not believe right away. We may have to continually share with them about Jesus. But even so, when we share the word with those who want to hear it, even when they don't believe right away, you know what we've done? We've planted a seed that someone else may come along and share the gospel with them and water that seed. And God may give life to that seed. We don't know. It's not up to us in that moment to say, well, they didn't believe. I must have failed. That's not how it works. God has just commissioned us to go. He will give the growth. Share the gospel. And sometimes they'll believe Sometimes it'll take a while, but there are people who will believe because God has been working on their hearts. The results are not up to us. We've not been commissioned to go and convert unbelievers. We've been commissioned instead to go proclaim the word of God to them and let God take care of that. We just need to make sure we're being faithful to the call, like Saul and Barnabas, leaving the outcome to God who alone gives life. Church, there are people who want to know what we know. They're out there. 
There are people who desperately need to know what we know. They are out there waiting for us to go to them with the word of God. So let's go to them in the power of the Spirit and proclaim to them the wondrous mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ, declaring to them what we just sang, that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, God with us, and that when sinners are plunged beneath that flood, they are washed clean. They lose all of their guilty stains. That's what happened to us. That's what can happen to them. But again, we've got to go with the gospel. And we've got to find the people who are desiring and want to hear the word, even if they don't know it yet. Because there is a fountain that can save them. There is a Savior who loves them. That's the first reaction that we could get as we go with the word. The second Reaction: Those who want to stop the word. That's the one we're more familiar with. That's the one we think is going to happen every time. It'll happen sometimes, but not every time. Sergius wanted to hear the word, but there was another with him. Bar-Jesus, also called Elimus, he reacted in the opposite way. He did not invite the word of God, but opposed it. He tried to stop the word from being proclaimed. He sought to turn Sergius, the one who wanted to hear the word of God, away from the faith. But then we see the response from one of our missionaries, Paul. Saul, also called Paul. Side note, he didn't change his name. Saul did not become Paul. If you hear that, not true. Saul and Paul, the same person before conversion, after conversion, same names, just different contexts. They're going to a more Roman area than they've been, and so it would make sense for him to go by his Roman name, Paul. But he did not become Paul from Saul. Same person. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he confronted this false prophet, Elimus. And he was clear about who Elimus truly was on the inside. He was not who he appeared to be on the outside. I wonder if Luke, in recounting this story, introduces us to Elimus first by giving us his other name, Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus, in order to show us that names don't always show us who a person is. Because Saul makes clear that Elimus is not a son of Jesus, but instead is a son of the devil. This is made clear by Elimus' actions here. He is a false prophet, a false teacher. Look how Paul describes him. He stared, I would not want to be on the other end of this. Paul stared intently at, he looked directly at him. He fixed his gaze on Elimus and he described him as full of all kinds of deceit and trickery as a son of the devil, an enemy of all that is right, one who perverts the straight paths of the Lord. These are the characteristics of those who oppose and want to stop the word of God from reaching the ears of sinners. Elimus and false teachers and prophets, they are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. They are truly sons of the devil who is the father of lies, and there is no room for the truth of them. They are full up to the brim with deceit and trickery. They seek to blind to the truth of God's word by lying, 
by using smoke and mirrors, by distracting from the truth, by packaging the lies and fancy decorations to hide what is underneath. He's a sorcerer, just like the one we saw earlier in Acts. He did some cool things, some great things. People called the earlier one truly a great uh, deity, basically. They package it with fancy decorations to hide what's underneath. Look at how shiny this is on the outside. Look how great this is. Don't you want to be a part of this? Don't you want to believe in what I'm doing? Don't you want to listen to me? But on the inside, what they're offering is poison that leads to death. They're full of deceit, full of trickery, a son of the devil. There's no truth in them. They are the enemy of all that is right. False teachers and false prophets are not neutral parties in the spiritual battle we're in. They're not just among us. They are waging war against us and God. They are on the side of their father, the devil, who opposes God and everything that is good and right and holy. They may appear to be fighting on God's side like Elimus. He is a Jewish false prophet, but he presented himself as a Jewish prophet. On the outside, it seemed like, yeah, he's one of us. Sure. I mean, he says some weird things at times, but surely he's on our side. But he's not. They may appear to be fighting on God's side like Elimus, who tried to pass himself off as a prophet, but he opposed the word of God. He revealed himself to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. These false prophets, they seek to make the straight paths of the Lord crooked. They want to make it as hard as possible for the lost to see the light of the gospel. They put twists and turns in the path of God. They put obstacles on the road. Anything and everything they can do to keep sinners from the God who loves them, who died for them, they're going to do it. And they'll pass themselves off as someone who's helping them, who's on their side who believes in God, who loves God, who wants to follow God and, and wants you to just do these nice things, these good things, but things that are contrary to the Scriptures, contrary to God, to believe things that are false. They make straight paths crooked. And Paul continues here as he stares at this false prophet and he declares the Lord's hand, the Father's hand is against you, Elimus. Paul says that Elimus will now be just as blind physically as he is spiritually. He will not see the sun for a time because he does not see the sun and tries to prevent Sergius from seeing him as well. Immediately a mist of darkness falls on him and he went around seeking someone, anyone to lead him by the hand. Church, if we seek to go with the word of God as we ought to, we will see these two reactions to the word. We will see those who want to hear it, who are open to hearing it. They're out there waiting for us to tell them. And we will see others who want to stop the word of God from going, who want to make the straight paths of the Lord crooked, and we need to be ready to answer their lies with the truth. To not shy away. To look intently at them if we need to. To be clear about what they're doing. We need to be unafraid to call them out for perverting the path of the Lord. 
because they're leading people astray. That's the truly loving thing to do. For many, reading this and what Paul says, that's like, that's a little harsh, Paul. Why don't you give them the benefit of the doubt? That's not the case. Paul understood the stakes. Paul knew that the soul of Sergius was in the balance. Paul did the most loving and compassionate thing he could have done in that moment. He made it clear who Elemus was and what he was trying to do so that Sergius could see the light of the gospel while Elemus stayed in the darkness. That's the loving thing to do. To not just say, well, I don't want to bother with that. I don't want to offend them. No, if they're teaching things that are false, if they're trying to lead others astray, for the sake of those they're leading astray, you call out their false teaching. You call out the lies and you present the truth to the one who's being led astray so that their eyes could be opened because their soul is in the balance. Eternity is on the line. These are the two reactions that we see to the word, and they're described perfectly in Hosea 14.9. It says, Let whoever is wise understand these things, and whoever is insightful recognize them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Sergius is said to be wise and intelligent, and he seeks to hear the word of the Lord. He desires to walk in God's ways. He desires to live righteously. And the only way for him to do that is by hearing and believing the gospel of Jesus, the righteous one. But Elimus, he's rebellious. And he stumbles over the word of God. And God blinds him and makes him not just stumble over the word, but stumble around searching for any hand to lead him. He's blind and he's stumbling, searching for someone to lead him by the hand. But what he really needed to learn was that there was only one hand that could guide him. The hand he truly needed to find and follow was the hand that, caused, that he caused to turn against him. That's what happens to those who oppose and try to stop the word of God. They grow more and more blind to the truth of God. And it's heartbreaking. Elimus was so close to what he needed. Paul and Barnabas have been going, proclaiming the word of God in the synagogue and everywhere they went. And Elimus was right there with Sergius who wanted to hear the word. But he didn't want to hear it. He was blind to it. So church, as we go with the word, we seek to find and proclaim the gospel to those who desire to hear the word. Whether they're explicitly asking us to or not, we share hoping they will listen. And along the way, we make straight the path of the Lord in a world that is constantly perverting it and makes it crooked. We expose the lies and the schemes of the devil and his children who are seeking to blind the eyes of unbelievers from the gospel. We hold fast to the word, we proclaim the word, and we war against the kingdom of darkness with the word. And as we do that, we get to see the triune God building his kingdom by the power of his word. That's the third and final point we see in verse 12. Then when he saw what happened, 
the proconsul believed because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. We find ourselves back with the proconsul here. He saw Paul rebuke Elemas. He saw God's hand blind Elemas. And we see that he did indeed hear the word of the Lord. He was searching for it. He asked for it. And he eventually heard it. And praise God, he believed when he heard it. And why does it say he believed? What's the reason he believed? Because he saw what happened and was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. He didn't believe just because of the blinding of Elemas. It was because he was amazed at the gospel. The gospel that declares the love of God through the death of Jesus for sinners. That declares the forgiveness of God through the death of Jesus for sinners. That declares the power of God over sin and death through the resurrection of Jesus for sinners. And it was all done and accomplished not by Paul and Barnabas. This was not their work that accomplished this. It was accomplished by the triune God. Watch how it plays out. Watch how he worked. The Spirit commissioned and empowered Paul and Barnabas to go. The Spirit was with Paul in his rebuke of Elemas. The Father's hand stopped the opposition. He blinded Elemas, getting him out of the way for the word of God to be spoken to Sergius. The son who the word testifies about saves Sergius. With Elemas out of the way, Sergius hears the word of God that reveals Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. And now, Sergius is able to walk on the straight path of the Lord. This is all God's doing. Yes, Saul and Barnabas, they got to play a part and witness it, but it didn't happen apart from God. The Spirit was working, the Father was working, the Son was working. Church, we too have been commissioned by the Spirit to go proclaim the Word of God, to make crooked paths straight, so that the lost can be saved by the triune God who is building his kingdom. That's what's happening here. And we can play a part in it like Paul and Barnabas. So let's be found faithful, obeying the will and call of God on our lives that we see clearly here in the word. Let's be faithful and watch God work. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening to this recording of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newton, Kansas. We hope that the biblical truths presented in this podcast will help you in your walk with Jesus. If you do not have a church home, we invite you to join us here at 1045 on Sunday mornings. You can find the church address as well as other information about our church at ibcnewton.org. Whether you are able to join us here in person or not, we hope that you will find a Bible-believing church near you to join as you continue to follow Jesus.